Church family, you're finding the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 2. This morning I want to speak to you on this subject, Amazing Grace. Joshua chapter 2, we'll begin to read in verse 1. Please stand with me this morning, all those that can, and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in Joshua chapter 2, begin to read in verse 1. The Bible says these words, Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know from where from? But it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. She had brought them up to the roof and had hidden them with stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. And the men pursued them by the road of Jordan to the forge. And as soon as, as, and as, soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, She came up to them on the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea and when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven and on, and on earth beneath. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father and my mother, my brothers and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into this, to the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you bring your father and your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household into your home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, but we will be guiltless. But whoever is with you... In the house, his blood shall be on our head, on our head, if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from our oath which you made us swear. Then she said, according to your word, so be it. And she sent them away and departed, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your spirit would speak to us today. Challenge us, God. I pray for those who have never been saved. 
who've never brought their lives under the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that they'll choose to do that today. And God, we continue to pray each Sunday. Burden us for lostness. Give us a concern. Strip away apathy and indifference. And God, I pray we'll be like these two men. Lord, we, you will use us as messengers of good news to share the gospel. And God, the peace and life that can be found under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and through his amazing grace. It's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. Well, Forty years have, uh, have passed since uh, Numbers chapter 13 and 14. Remember that God had led the nation of Israel out of Egypt, and then as he led them in, uh, the nation of Israel desired uh, to send 12 spies over. Caleb and Joshua were two of those spies. They went in and they saw the city was, the, the cities had great walls. There were giants there, but truly it was a land flowing with milk and honey. And as the 12 came back, Caleb and Joshua, the two, they said, look, it's just as we were told. Let's go up in the power of God and let's take it now. But the other 10 said, no, we need to go back to Egypt. There's no way that we can survive all of the, the, the great soldiers that are there. The walls are so tall. The giants are so big. There's just no way we can do this. And so because of that, they stirred up the people into rebellion, and God judged them. And so for 40 years, remember, two things have happened, death and discipleship. Everybody that was 20 years and above, they died during those 40 years. But also, discipleship was taking place. Everyone who was 20 years and younger, and those who would be born during those 40 years, Moses discipled them. He prepared them to cross over and to inherit this abundant life that God wanted to give them. And so they're ever closer to crossing over. But now Joshua decides to send uh, two spies over to spy out. Verse 1 says, especially Jericho. And so we're introduced today to Rahab. Uh, no way to sugarcoat this. Rahab was a prostitute uh, by, by work. That's what she did. Uh, she, was, she was what we would call a hooker. And that's what she did every day to make a living. But God loved even Rahab. And God wanted to save even Rahab. And Rahab had heard what God had done in the life of the nation of Israel. And God had began to deal with her and to draw her and to call her. And so the Bible, while full of a lot of amazing testimonies that attest to the wonder of God's amazing grace and the work that he can do in bringing about change in someone's life, they're all wonderful, but I'll say none of them are more wonderful than the life of Rahab and what God did in her life. There's none that are more powerful. So four things don't you see this morning about the amazing grace that she experienced. First off, I want you to notice the call, the call that she experienced. Verse 1 again, uh, Joshua chapter 2 says, Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy out secretly, saying, uh, go view the land, especially Jericho. It's by God's providence uh, that these two men go to Jericho. God had been dealing uh, with Rahab. And we see that throughout Scripture, that God will be dealing with the, the sinner, but he'll also be dealing with the saint that's going to share. In Acts chapter 8, remember that uh, Philip was, had been a part of a great uh, revival service that was taking place, uh, a great spiritual awakening. Many people in Samaria were coming to know Christ. And man, from the outside, the world would say, man, Philip's got it made. He's planted a church there. 
Boy, it's just blow, blowing and going. Philip will never leave that place. Well, Philip was God's man and not man's man. And there happened to be an Ethiopian, you'll remember, who had come from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. He began to travel back toward Gaza, which the Bible says is desert. He had purchased a copy of the book of Isaiah, and he sat there on the end of his chariot reading uh, this, this passage of Scripture from the book of Isaiah, and he couldn't understand any of it. He wanted to know about Jesus Christ. He went to Jerusalem, but the Pharisees and Sadducees, they couldn't do anything for him. Apparently, he didn't run into any Christian while he was there. But God spoke to Philip's heart, and by God's province, he sent him down to the desert, and he got the two together. God had been calling and drawing this Ethiopian. Philip shared the good news. He was saved and baptized at that, that very moment. Remember in Acts chapter 10, uh, there was a Roman soldier by the name of Cornelius. He was responding to the light that he had. He didn't have a lot, but he was responding to what he did have, and he really wanted to know more about God. He wanted to know more about Jesus Christ. And God spoke to him through a vision. An angel came to him and said, you need to send for this man by the name of Peter. He's in Joppa at a man, at man by the name of Simon's house. He's a tanner there. And so he sent a delegation. Well, at the same time, God was preparing Peter's heart. He says, now, Peter, you're, you're going to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And you'll remember that Peter saw a vision of all manners of beasts, every creature that there was, that broke the Jewish dietary law. And Peter woke up, all of a sudden he says, man, I want a, I want a sausage and ham biscuit. Uh, what God has cleansed, call thou not unclean anymore. And he realized, friend, that meant to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And so God was at work in the sinner's heart, and God was at work in the saint's heart, and God got the two together. Cornelius, his whole household was saved. And my friend, we're here today because the gospel came to the Gentiles. And so it was the providence of God. And so here was Rahab, this harlot, and through providence, God sends these two spies out to share a message about the Passover, about the blood that they had heard, either heard or possibly had seen applied to the doorposts of the houses that they were staying in in Egypt. And so God was calling her and drawing her. He first off had called her through her conscience, uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse 19 says, God has revealed himself to all men through their conscience. We don't have time to develop that this morning, but Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, he's also revealed himself through creation. Those two things to all men. But man chooses to respond so often to worship the creature rather than the creator, and because of that, they're without excuse before God. So God already revealed himself to Rahab through conscience and through creation. But also he had re revealed himself through change. Look what the Bible says in verse number 9. These men have come into town. They've come to Rahab's house. The devil was at work as much as God was. He let the king of Jericho know that these two spies were there. And so she hid him. Can I just say in passing, nowhere in Scripture in all the commendations that we see given to Rahab do we ever see that God commended that she lied. And so she doesn't get a pass on this. The Bible just records the lies that she told these men of Jericho who came to seek out the two spies that God had sent. But these two spies have hidden themselves on top of her roof, 
And she comes to them and begins to try to get some information from them about the Lord. And, and listen to what she shares in verse number 9. She shares to the men, she says, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Listen to this. That the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Well, God had promised the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 25 that he would put the dread of them upon all of these foreign nations that before they even got there, they would already be scared to death of the nation of Israel because of the change that God about brought about in their lives. Something was different about Israel. And when Rahab looked at her life, don't miss this, and she looked at their life, she said something's different about their life that's not the same as mine. There was change that could only be explained by the presence and the lordship of Almighty God. We see that in the book of Acts as the church has just been formed on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 12. After the Holy Spirit fell and rested upon those who had gathered as flaming tongues of fire, they began to speak in known tongues, not unknown gibberish, but known tongues of all the people who were there in Jerusalem. And they began to say, we, we hear all these words in our own foreign language. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 12, listen, the change that they saw in all these believers, don't miss this, it led them to say, what is this? They said, what, what's this change that's in their life that we don't have? And so it gave opportunity for Peter just to begin to seize on that question and to preach the gospel and to say, what this is, is the Holy Spirit who's fallen We've received it because we've turned from our sins and we've trusted Jesus to be Lord of our life based on the price that he paid on Calvary, the death that he rose from, and the new life that we have. And so he preached that message to them and that led to a second question in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. They said, well then what shall we do? He says, what, what is this, this change that we don't have, and what shall we do that we might have it in our lives? You just go one chapter over to Acts chapter 3. Peter and John, they're going to pray. It is a priority. It is a, it is a pattern in their life that they daily prayed. But as they were going on mission, there they see the lame man who's been laid there at the, day, at the gate beautiful daily, lame from his mother's womb, and he wants silver and gold. And they say, man... We don't have any silver and gold, but what we've got, we'll give you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And they reached down, they grabbed him by the hand, they lifted him up, and immediately he received strength. And all of a sudden, he's running through the temple shouting and praising God, and everybody says, isn't that the guy that lays at the temple every day lame? Something's happened in his life. Something's different. And it gave Peter again opportunity to stand and to preach. And in Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 14, the Bible says that all those people who were there, they looked at Peter and John, they knew that they were unlearned men. They knew that they hadn't been to seminary like all the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But listen, friend, they knew that they had been with Jesus. 
They saw that there was something different in their lives. And then the Bible goes on to say they saw the man who had laid at the gate every day. They saw him standing there, and they knew it was him. And they couldn't argue with the change that was in his life. And so it really brings to a, to a question, friend, that I need to ask myself, and you need to ask yourself, is there the sum testimony of my life, not just the parts that we want people to see on Sunday and Wednesday, but it's the sum total of the testimony of my life. Does it bring people to a place that they say there's something in their life that can't be explained but only by the presence of God? And so God was working through the change that was taking place in Israel's life. And Rahab said, I don't know what they've got, but I want it. I'm tired of my life. I want to change. I want a new life. They've got something that I don't have. And friend, I really believe with all my heart that the reason more people aren't saved in the South is this. Lost people look at so-called Christians and their lives are no different than the lost people who need to be touched by the grace of Jesus Christ. She saw change. She saw change that could only be explained by the power of God. Begs the question this morning, doesn't it, church? Does the lost world see that same change lived out every day? In my life. So there was, there was a call that was, that was taking place in their life, in her life. It first off was because of the word. Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. She had heard the things that God was doing. John 6, 44, Jesus said, No man comes to me except the Father who sent me draws him. God was drawing. God was calling Rahab. He wanted her to be saved. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, Peter said to all of those Greeks who were there in that audience, God commands all men everywhere to repent. And that was her invitation to turn from her life of gross immorality and to surrender it to the lordship of Almighty God. That was the call. Number two now, notice the confession. So she again says, you know, as, as soon as we all heard of all of these things, our hearts melted, neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. You say, well, man, that's not much of a prayer trusting God. Friend, listen, she responded to all the light she had, and she gave all of her she knew to give to Jesus Christ. That's all she had in the moment. She, she, she said, all of these false gods in Jericho, they're not God, but your God is God. And I bring my life under His Lordship. She responded to the light that she had. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 says, God has given to every person a measure of faith. And my friend, that person will act upon it, and they'll receive Christ, or they'll reject it. They'll respond to those two things, again, in Romans chapter 1 verses 19 and 20, or they'll reject it. If they respond in the gospel's given, they'll receive Christ or they'll reject him. And so she responded. She confessed God to be Lord of her life. She had to act or refuse upon it. And she chose. She gave all that she knew to give to the Lord. And sometimes I think, you know, we, we try to make the gospel more complicated than God intended it to be. The Bible says it's so simple that a fuller wayfaring man cannot err therein. And friend, listen, I've said many times, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but praise God, I'm in the drawer. 
when the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and drew me and somebody cared enough to share the gospel, friend, listen, the lights came on and I gave all of me that I knew to give to Jesus Christ. And I learned more about me the next year I needed to give and the next year. Friend, I just turned 50 this year. I'm still seeing things that I've got to give to God every single day. And so she gave all that she knew to give to the Lord. And here's the evidence that it was real, my friend, that she confessed him. Right down in the margin of your Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 30 through 31. And listen to what the author of Hebrews says. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Now listen, the author of Hebrews, who, who writes about our great high priest and his sacrifice, Jesus Christ. Verse 31 says, by faith. The harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Well, what's the reverse truth of that? She did believe. She gave all that she knew to give to the Lord. You can also write down one book over, James chapter 2 and verse 25, where James used her as an illustration to show, listen, friend, that we're not saved by works. But you better hear this, church family. We need to share it in discipleship. Real faith does work. We're not saved by works, but when someone has true spiritual life, they're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to have an appetite for the things of God. The Bible says, likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified? That word justified, the definition means just as if it never happened. That means when she trusted God, friend, listen, all of the calls that had ever been made to her house They didn't exist in the mind of God anymore. They were covered by His grace. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. So there's the call, but there's the confession. My friend, the Bible says, whosoever calls upon the name of the, the Lord will be saved. Listen, friend, nobody goes to heaven by believing that Jesus died on a cross. The book of James teaches every demon in hell believes that. You go to heaven, friend, because you turn from sin and you trust what Christ did on the cross as a payment for your sins, believing that He rose from the grave, and you surrender your life to His Lordship. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so she confessed God as Lord of her life. So we see the call We see the confession. I want you to notice this morning the covering. Now you've got to go back a little bit into the book of Exodus to fully understand this. But but look at this beautiful, beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. So she again shares, you know, all of the things in verse 11 that they've heard about them, uh, that have happened. She begins to confess her faith in God that He is the Lord. He is God in heaven and above earth. Verse 12. And so she says, now therefore I beg you. She wants grace. She wants protection. She wants mercy. She knows what's about to happen to Jericho. That the wrath of God is about to descend upon the city that she lives in. She says, now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I've also shown you kindness, that you will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. She says, give me... Give me full assurance. I want some assurance. I want to know that when the wrath of God falls upon Jericho, it's not going to fall on me. 
It's not going to fall on my family. I want to know that I know that I know. And in verse number 15, the Bible says, after they had had more discussion, now notice this, she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall that she dwelt on the wall. And we find out later here in verse number 18, this was a scarlet-colored rope. It wasn't just a small little piece of thread, friend. This, this was a rope, again, by the province of, of all the different colored ropes that she could have had. Anybody got a scarlet rope at their house? Maybe one or two of you, but you don't. You've got a brown one or a black one. But of all the ropes and the colors that she could have had in her house, and friend, just the fact that she had a rope. She had a scarlet colored rope, the color of blood. And so this was in her house. And the Bible says in verse number 18, says, unless when we come back to, to this land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you and your father, your mother, and your brothers, and your, all your father's household are here with you, the wrath of God's going to fall on you. So what he told her was this. You take that rope and you begin to tie it in knots around all the lattice, all the workings of the window, so that around this window, different from all the other windows in Jericho, there's going to be this blood-colored rope. Why in the world would those two spies, of all the things that they could have told her to have done, said, bind a scarlet-colored rope in your window? Well, in their mind, friend, you know, it is Memorial Day. They had something that they memorialized. Remember in Exodus chapter 11, the Israelites are still enslaved. Uh, there's already been all the other plagues, nine plagues, and nothing had happened. But now the last plague has been announced, the plague of death. And so the firstborn in all of Egypt is going to die. But God made a way that the nation of Israel would not die. They were to take a lamb. The lamb was to come into their family, to be a part of their family. Then there was a specific time that lamb was to be killed. And its blood was to be taken with hyssop. It was to be applied to the two doorposts beside their door and to the lintel on top. And the Bible says, when I see the blood, God says, I will pass over you. And God said in Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 14, listen, so this day... This, this day of Passover, this day that you survived death, that you survived the judgment against sin, for the wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. That's the penalty. When you survive the penalty of death because of the blood of the Lamb that had willingly been applied to the doorposts and the lintel of your house, listen to what the Bible says. It shall be to you a memorial... And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout all your generations. You shall keep it as a feast and an everlasting ordinance. And as those boys got let down out of that window, she says, Give me a token. Give, give me a sign. Tell me something that I can do to make sure that I know that I and all my family are not going to die when the wrath of God falls upon this place. And I believe, friend, they, they looked at that scarlet colored rope, and it struck fresh in their mind something that happened 40 years ago. He says, you know what? We escaped death through the blood of the Lamb. Rahab, you take that blood-colored rope, you tie it to your window just like we painted on our doors, and when death comes, God's going to pass over you. It's the covering. 
And my friend, it's what happens to every person who chooses to turn from sin and trust Jesus to be Lord of their life. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 7, the Apostle Paul says this to the church at Corinth, Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Jesus Christ is our Passover. And my friend, when you hear about the penalty for sin, it's death. Man's got a choice. They can choose to go on in their sin, and death will surely come. Or by faith, friend, they can repent, and with the hyssop of faith, apply the blood of Jesus to the doorposts of their life. Friend, listen, I can't escape death. You know, I turned 50 this year. I had my yearly physical. I've been trying to trim up and get in shape, get my triglycerides and cholesterol down. And as much as I try to do those things, friend, listen, I can drink a gallon of jogging in a jug every day, take Geritol and all of these other, uh, you know, all you oil sniffers, you know, I can start taking all these essential oils. Uh, you know, got Sambucus and all these other things. Friend, listen, sooner or later I'm going to die. And you're going to die too. And when that moment comes, friend, the only thing I can do to escape the judgment of hell is to somewhere in my life to apply by faith the blood of Jesus to the doorposts of my life. Why? He's my Passover. There's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. They didn't give Rahab two ways, three ways, four ways, five ways. They gave her one way that she could escape the judgment of death. And it was through the scarlet colored rope. Friend, that's a type of Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning, you've never been saved. Friend, I'm telling you, God changes lives. When you turn from sin and you trust Jesus Christ, He can take you and make you into a new creature, but you'll not experience His blessing. You'll not experience a new birth. You won't experience any of the life more abundantly that can be found in Jesus Christ if you don't turn and by faith apply the blood of Jesus to your life. He's your Passover lamb. And you must choose to do that. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 12 through 14 says this, For I, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will choose to remember no more. God chooses to do that for us, friend, when we, when we trust Him to be Lord of our lives. Verse 12 says, Not with the blood of goats, of, of calves, of Hebrews chapter 9. But with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Friend, the blood of Jesus Christ sets us free from the penalty of death. So there's the covering. It better be a reality in your life. They were coming to Jericho. And though Rahab had been kind to them and had shown favor to them, if the rope wouldn't have been in the window, friend, she would have died like everybody else. You hear me this morning. God loves you. He sent Christ to die for you. I don't care how good of a person you've been in your life. When the judgment of death comes against you, if the blood of Jesus has not been applied, you'll spend eternity in a place called hell. But you don't have to go. Fourth notice now, the conclusion. Boy, what a, what a, good, what a good, happy end. You know, I, 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 get, 
I get frustrated. Sometimes uh, we'll, on Saturday evenings, we'll, we'll watch an old movie uh, that's been pre-approved to be clean that we haven't seen. And, you know, there'll, there'll be some heartache and tragedy through the, through the middle. And then there'll be, there'll be a, great, a great winning that takes place. There's some triumph. And then in the final moments, you know, after the man and the woman have finally found each other, you know, she'll get shot in the last scene and the, the, the movie ends with her crying. I'm like, well, why'd they have to do that? Where's the happy ending in that? Friend, listen, this story has a happy ending. It's a happy ending. Rahab has a forever happy ending in what happened. Well, they went back across and they reported all the things that had happened. And God got the nation of Israel ready. They crossed over. There were some things that we'll see in the next few weeks that happened prior to the conquest of Jericho. But turn over to Joshua chapter 6 for just a moment. I want you to see the rest of Rahab's story. It was time for the walls to fall. And the Bible says in verse number 17, Now the city shall be doomed by the, by the Lord to, de- to destruction and all who are in it. And Joshua says... Only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are in the house because she hid the messengers uh, that, that we sent. And you by all means abstain from the, from the accursed things. He begins to give them some instruction about the wealth that's there. That the silver and gold is to go into the treasury, but everything else, it's not to be taken. Look down at verse number 22. But then Joshua reiterated. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, Go to the harlot's house. And from there bring out the woman, all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. She brought her whole family under the blood. She wasn't just concerned with herself. She wanted everybody in her family to be saved. And so they brought, they brought out everyone, all of her relatives. Uh, so, so they brought out all of her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel, verse 24. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire, only the silver, the gold, and the vessels, and the bronze of iron. So they put it in the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she has. Now listen, so she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent out to spy out Jericho. And the book of James says, listen, she wasn't saved because she did that. Because she had trusted God, she did work for God. And because of that, God gave her a new life. And you may be here this morning, you may think, now listen. Well, what could happen now, you know, everybody knows she's a prostitute. Everybody knows the kind of life that she had lived prior to this. Well, if you turn over to the book of Matthew, or just write it there in the margin of your Bible, you'll read in Matthew chapter 1 that she married a man by the name of Salmon. He didn't care who she had been. He only cared about who she was now in the Lord. And in the process of time, they had a son by the name of Boaz, who happened to end up marrying a woman by the name of Ruth. And really, the book of Ruth's not about Ruth. It's all about Boaz. It could have been named Boaz because Boaz is a type of Jesus Christ because he was Ruth's kinsman, redeemer, and he redeemed that Moabite who had no chance whatsoever and brought her into his family. How did Boaz come about? Because Rahab turned from sin 
and God gave her a new life. And you go to Matthew chapter 1 and continue to go down a little bit. Listen, she was David, King David's great, great mammal. Think about that. Friend, listen, she went from the gutter to the hall of fame. She went from the hall of shame, the worst that Jericho had. If someone asked, what's the biggest piece of trash that you've got in Jericho? It's got to be Rahab the harlot. You know, I shovel pig slop every day, but I don't do what she does to make a living. She's trash. I want to tell you something, friend. God's in the recycling business. And he can take a piece of trash that everybody else says is trash, and when they turn from sin and trust him, he gives them a new life. John 10, 10 says, I've come that they might have life, and life more abundantly. And so I don't know what your background has been. I don't know what sin you've committed, but I want you to know this morning, you're not beyond the grip of God's amazing grace. God loves you. He sent Christ to die for you. If you'll only do like Rahab, turn from all your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, surrender your life to His Lordship, my friend, He'll forgive you. He'll give you a brand new life. The book of Hebrews says, friend, He will remember your sins no more. You're justified. It's just as if it never happened. The only reason Rahab experienced all this is because she chose to respond. She had to choose to turn from that life and trust God to be Lord of her life. So I want to ask you today, has there ever been a moment that you've done that? Did you sit here this morning? What if you died today? Where would you spend eternity? Has the blood of Jesus Christ by faith been applied to the doorposts of your life? When the judgment of death falls, like it fell on Jericho, does God, will God see a scarlet rope that you've tied by faith that represents the blood of Christ? If not, friend, you've got time. You're here. You're breathing. If the Spirit of God is calling you, drawing you, won't you confess Him as Lord today? He'll cover your sin. And I'm telling you, friend, on the authority of God's Word, He'll bring change. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new. But you've got to choose to turn and receive Him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you've never done that, won't you do it this morning? It's a free gift, Romans 6.23 says. God offers you a free gift of salvation but you must choose to turn and receive it. Tell him so right now as you sit there. Pray. Confess him to be Lord of your life. As you turn from sin, trust Jesus today to forgive you, to save you, and to be Lord of all of you, just like Rahab did. Pray just like this. God, forgive me, a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And by faith today, I apply his blood to my life. Just like men applied blood in Egypt, from a lamb to the outside of their house that they might escape the judgment of death, I, by faith, apply the blood Jesus shed to my life so that your wrath against my sin will pass over one day. I trust Jesus to be Lord of my life. That's my prayer. If you prayed that, you meant it. Boy, I'm going to stand right here at the front when they begin to sing in just a few moments. And I want to invite you just to make your way forward because I want to share with you what God wants to do next in your life. I want to share with you how He wants to change you and to, to make you into a new person. You don't have to be bound by the past.
anymore. I wonder if there's someone here today, even though you're saved, listen to me, you allow Satan to constantly beat you up about past sin. You allow him to continue to bring it up. You lay in bed at night trying to go to sleep. And something you did, something you said, something you did to someone that is under the blood of Christ, you've repented of it, you've confessed it, it just lays right in front of you. Friend, that's condemnation from the devil. He doesn't want you to have joy. He doesn't want you to, to walk in the freedom and the forgiveness that you have in Christ. Won't you just claim afresh and anew this morning the, the, the forgiveness that you have in Jesus? And tell the devil you're not going to listen to that anymore because you believe the Word of God that your sins are under the blood and God has chosen to remember those sins no more. And we're going to pray. But I wonder this morning, do you ever see a Rahab? Do you know a Rahab? It may not be someone that's really a prostitute, but just in your mind you think, be honest before God, well, they're just beyond the reach of God. There's, there's no way that they could ever be saved. You might not speak it, but you think it. Friend, ask God to adjust your mind this morning and your heart. Pray for that person. Pray for favor that God will give you opportunity to go to them, just like these two spies did to Rahab, and share the freedom and the new life that can be experienced in Jesus Christ with that person. God is in the recycling business. Father, you speak your will to our hearts and lives now. I pray not one single person will leave here this morning quenching the work of the Holy Spirit, but will yield ourselves to you. Whatever you call us and draw us to do today, we'll respond with yes and obedience. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet.